0: And
1: good morning, everybody, and welcome to On Texas Football Today, Coffee and Football. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined each and every morning by Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, both of On3 and Inside Texas, InsideTexas.com. And guys, just a handful of days away now, Sark, of course, had his press conference yesterday, and Bobby, he discussed four key uh, position battles, running back, corner, right guard, and backup quarterback. What uh, What stood out about that to you?
2: Well, it, you know, I think that, that the the thing that uh, Sarkisian first of all did is he announced that there wasn't going to be a depth chart released, essentially. Uh, and when he did that, I think we all knew that he was going to be somewhat evasive or uh, not give away the farm, right? And that meant uh, primarily, in my opinion, at backup quarterback. He was asked specifically about that. It means it cornerback where we've thought Gavin Holmes and Terrence Brooks are running right now one two in some form or fashion uh Malik Muhammad backing up Ryan Watts in the boundary we know that but Brooks and uh Brooks and uh Holmes running uh for that first team and then at running back we believe there's a late go right now between Cedric Baxter and Jonathan Brooks to see if the junior from uh holds off the freshman from Orlando uh all in all, I, I, I don't even know if that was the funnest part of the press conference. <laughs> for me, the funnest part of the press conference was his uh, Sark doing a good job of pointing out the hypocrisy, essentially, of Brett Yormark. Uh, if, for those that did not see this, uh, Sark detailed how the day before Brett Yormark got to, uh, made those comments in Lubbock in the pep rally with Joey Maguire, Sark essentially said, uh, you know, the day before I got a sportsmanship letter from the commissioner talking about that. I thought that was uh, very funny, Jerry, what'd you take some of the things, takeaways from that uh, press conference yesterday?
0: Yeah, I think, uh, I think it was interesting to me. Um, look, and I mean, coaches that less and less, they put out depth charts, right? Um, and more and more the competition into the week, uh, leading up to the game, um, is being talked about more. I I think the kids pretty much know where they stand right now in most cases. So um, I I think, look, one serious injury, and it's not a season-ending Maurice Blackwell, two to four weeks, probably closer to three to four weeks, right, Uh, with the MCL. Anytime you get out of camp with one injury and nobody lost for the season, um, (laughs) unbelievable. Unbelievable. Look, I mean, that's where you want to be headed in, headed into a season, especially one with high expectations. Remember last year when Angelou and Isaiah Nair went down, and, and more so Nair's injury. I really think that cost Texas a win or two. I think they went from a 9-10 win team to eight. Um, so, I, you know, that's the thing I look at from yesterday. Also, the running back position. Look, Jonathan Brooks is a really good player, and you touched on this, Bobby. But the fact that, fact that Baxter is coming in and really, truly pushing, whether starting starting is, it means something to kids. Don't get me wrong, but when you're going to share carries, essentially, I'm not sure how big of a deal it is, but it says something to Cedric Baxter's mental readiness to be a good player from day one. Physically, we all know. Cedric Baxter, I Cedric Benson didn't start game one because he couldn't pass protect, according to Mac Brown. And Sark's already mentioned Baxter and pass protection before he ever played a game. So I think the thing that we're we're looking at is Kelvin Banks was mentally ready to start game one as a freshman. Cedric Baxter and Anthony Hill, whether they trot out there first or not, it's already being proven they're mentally ready to start as a true freshman. And Manny Muhammad did that list too, probably. And Manny Muhammad, right? Um, and I think the other thing is, it'd be great for one for a five-star to earn a starting job two years in a row at Texas for recruiting purposes. I'm just going to say that. Hey, talk about recruiting. Dominic McKinley, Jerry, the
2: lineman out of Lafayette. A lot of late movement on this one. Uh, he appears to be set to make a decision uh, Friday at around 3.30. Uh, talk a little bit about that.
0: Uh, well, Blake Bryant just said, "I'm not calling you out, Blake, but you said I've anybody say a thing about McKinley and OU. I think you need a new source. I've been saying for weeks, dude, Texas <laughs> and OU were the top two coming out of the official visits. <laughs> but you need to start looking at a new source. Um, we've been saying this. I wanna, hey, third, okay. Hey, tell them, Jerry, tell them about A and M because they're not they're not going down easy either." No. I mean, look, and that's the thing is the thing with Texas and Texas A&M have going for them is the the computer science program. Yeah, Texas is better than Texas A&M. Right. But academics are huge w- w- with the mom. She's been in education for for two decades. Um, and so that's big in this recruitment uh, for her. Um, I think Dominic will uh, make a decision he's comfortable with. Um, I think close to home. Um, I think close to home is always a factor late in these recruitments. Um, So we'll see what happens. But I think, look, uh, a college station, about the same population as Lafayette. So there's a smaller environment, uh, a college station in Norman, does a smaller environment fit Dom's eye, fit his personality more than a big city? We'll find out on Friday. We'll find out on Friday. I can tell you this. I I will – Um, I I will say this. One person close to the recruitment thought that if Ohio State was in driving distance, that's where the kid would have gone.
1: Interesting. Very interesting. We also want to thank Jay Lee for the uh, super chat there asking about McKinley. And one more thing I wanted to bring up, guys, before we move on to the questions here. Uh, As y'all are both aware, Colt McCoy, of course, released yesterday by the Cardinals. And then Cameron Dicker, When's the starting job due to a trade? What are y'all's thoughts on that? You know, I I have to think that Colt's going to be picked up by somebody.
2: Uh, he's too experienced. He's still got some football left. There is, there is a market for backup quarterbacks or even emergency quarterbacks in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And it usually pans out uh, in the first week or two of the football season. So I think within the week, you'll see Colt McCoy latch on somewhere because somebody's got a quarterback issue. That's that's my take. And congrats to Cam Dicker. He fought for that role last year, guys. Uh, went back and forth a little bit with a guy that had injury. Now Chargers move on, and it looks like, uh, thankfully, uh, the uh, the uh, Cameron's get, getting a starting role. So happy for him.
1: Okay. Well, lots of questions rolling in. We got plenty of time, so be sure to ask your questions. Also, we would appreciate if you hit that like and subscribe button. And uh, let's start here with a super chat from UT Boy. He's just telling everybody good morning. The family hook them. So, good morning, UT Boy. <laughs> and then we got some Rice questions coming in, guys. We'll go to this one. Poppy J says, if Rice game gets out of hands, what are the odds on playing Malik and Arch to keep people guessing?
2: I, look, yesterday at the press conference, uh, Steve Sarkeesian was pretty clear. He's not naming a backup quarterback until Thursday. I mean, he, that was the one position he's like, look, we'll talk about that on Thursday. Maybe um, he wants what those guys, it, Bobby, what do you make of that? I think, dude, I think that he's, I think he's being smart. I think he's trying to push those guys until they can't be pushed anymore so that they are game ready. Look, yep. if Quinn tweaks an ankle on the first series, dropping back to pass, cause I don't know, Hayden Connor steps on his foot. Right. right. They've got to have two guys behind him ready to go. Um, and I just think it's Steve Sarkeesian understanding the scenarios of of college football and the pitfalls. I mean, my, my my big thing, though, is I still believe that how he's going to play this is Malik Murphy will be the first to come in. And I do believe they hope to also get Arch some time late yeah. in that contest if the game's out of hand, as is somewhat expected. That That's how I think Steve Sarkeesian handles the quarterback situation in Austin
1: all right then we have another rice question here guys and this one from king me he says who are three freshmen bound to get extra reps against rice also when's ut boy going to be a guest on coffee and football ut boy will be a guest
0: after jante's fifth
1: td this year if
0: he puts five on the board with this receiver experience receiver core ahead of him ut boy will he'll make an appearance
2: hey jerry the freshman uh talk about him not only Anthony, we mentioned three that are definite. Yeah. Anthony Hill, Manny Muhammad, and Sed Baxter. Okay? Those, are, those guys are going to get extended reps. Now, they're in other words, they're more than backups. Right? At this point, they're in the game plan. Now, talk about the rest of the freshmen that we think are going to do that. Yeah. John T. Cook. Yeah. And most likely, um, DeAndre Moore, receiver. Okay, wouldn't put Ryan Niblet in that category at this time, right? right? Colton Vosick at defensive end is running backup right now. Yeah. But is he really a backup? We'll see. I think he's going to be used more this year, if possible, like Ethan Burke was a year ago. Some snaps, but not in every game. Um, Anthony Hill, I think you could see Leonga Lafau, a little bit more in the secondary. I think you could see Jelani McDonald on special teams. With extended reps, Derek Williams with on special teams, and then potentially Warren Roberson. Uh, don't forget him. Uh, on special teams as well. And if there is a freshman offensive lineman that is could see early action, it would be Trevor Gooseby correct? Uh, is what we're told. So, yeah that, yeah, that gives you a a lineup of freshmen. You know, they're they're all of them are situated differently. I forgot about Sadir Mitchell, geez. Um,
0: yeah no, play. yeah, yeah, and so. What, what are your thoughts? Anything that you would add context on that, Jerry? No, I think I think I think that's it. I mean, I think you you nailed that, and uh, um, it, it'll be interesting to me. To the thing that I'm interested in is week one versus week three. That's kind of what I'm watching. We're watching to see who gets in week one. I'm I'm looking to see who's progression the next couple of weeks. They get a little game reps, they get a little taste of it, and then who progresses here who kind of makes the next strides quickest, uh, I think will be key there. And how do injuries factor in after the first couple of weeks? But I think what who plays the most snaps in week one may change in week three uh, amongst the freshmen off the bench. I think that's going to be interesting to see. How they, <clears throat> how how they, they p- progress. That's it. Yeah, I
2: agree. And can they be relied on that consistency that Sark likes to, to mention so often?
1: All right, guys, another question regarding Rice here and then kind of leading into Alabama. Chase Tillis says, with Rice being a run-heavy team, would it be, will it be a decent preview of what we will see with Alabama's stout O-line and questions at quarterback?
2: Uh, I think they're going to be about 40 pounds on average lighter <laughs> <laughs> on the offensive line and maybe a di- very strong difference at, quarterback as a runner because JT Daniels is not one and a very strong difference at running back. So I don't know that they're a quote unquote decent preview, even though to Sark's point yesterday, they are a power running team. They're trying to inflict that sort of a a offensive style on opponents. I don't know that. I don't know that it's a decent preview. I let's, let's see. I I, want to see this first because Alabama, not only can they bludgeon you, Right, which is what Rice even tries to do to, to lower level opponents, but they have skill guys outside that can score. Rice may not have those guys as as many of them, at least Jerry.
0: Yeah, and my take on it is is yeah from a schematic standpoint, but the problem with these games, <clears throat> the first game of the year is. You're going to do, if you don't dominate on the line of both lines of scrimmage, you have issues as the season goes on. I think that's the one thing you learn. Uh, it, it the more you follow this, but even if you go out and you're supposed to, Texas is supposed to win the line of scrimmage in these games, so it can give you a little bit of a false sense of security before you go on the road and take on a physical team that has a bunch of draft picks. Um, I, I think that's the major difference. I mean, Texas could go get five sacks against Rice. Because the defensive line is so much better than the Rice offensive line. But that doesn't mean you're going to take your show on the road and suddenly be ripping around J.C. Latham and Tyler Booker and, and, and getting Jalen Mil- Milrow to throw off his back foot. I mean, that's something two totally different things. And the, the main reason I don't think um, you know it's a pre- decent preview is because J.T. Daniels is a pocket-passing quarterback. And he, his escapability is very limited, even though he's played a 1,000 games. That's going to be the big difference, is the defense is not going to get a look at the quarterback position. And hey. honestly, Texas can't truly get that look in practice of a quarterback that with a run threat that you'll see in Jalen Milrow. I, I got to say this, Jerry. This
2: is hilarious to me. I mean, JT Daniels is going to start three games at Texas For three different teams, it's amazing. Okay, so now listen to this. This is the other story that the transfer portal has wrought. Okay, Keaton Slovis will do that, but not against Texas. He started at USC, Pitt, and now BYU. Yeah, quarterback, right? How about former Longhorn Jawan Mitchell's?
0: Have, have you guys heard about this? He's, not, he's now out yes. of Colorado after he didn't make it at Arizona State. And he, I mean, so it's four schools, right? And Rutgers and Tennessee and Rutgers.
2: Yeah. I mean, is this five schools for him, not including mm-hmm. Juco? Yeah. That's
0: crazy. I mean,
2: he, he started for the Longhorns. It's not like he's a bad player or something. Right. Uh,
0: you well, know. it's why what it tells you is if you're really talented, you're always going to get a chance. <laughs> well, he, he's He's been in Colorado
2: less than a week, and he's a starter. Right. You know, I, I heard some people taking uh, uh, Tom Luganbill, our friend, to task over his uh, comments about Dion in Colorado. This He just doesn't expect much from the Buffaloes this year. And people were taking him to task, and I'm like, well, if you're getting a, a linebacker that's been a journeyman at the last week before school starts and he's starting, there may be some truth in what old Tom is saying. Yeah. Right? <laughs> So uh, let's, let's be clear about that. I mean, I'm, I don't know what
0: to say. Well, look, I mean, on Colorado, I had a Pac-12 assistant coach predict 1-11. We'll see if he's right. And he's scared about the Colorado State game. <laughs> 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 if TCU puts a pummeling. I mean, because that schedule, I mean, it's the start off for Dion. It's not, it's not win-friendly now. I think TCU's going to pound them. All right, guys, well, so before we move on,
1: Bobby, why don't you tell everybody about our sponsor for today?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's Homefield. Uh, Homefield Apparel is a premium collegiate apparel brand based in the good old USA. They emphasize their commitment to creating incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs. They feature a growing collection of more than 150 colleges to choose from, including, of course, the University of Texas. Homefield Designs are unique because they delve into the archives and history of each school using unique logos, mascots, and iconic moments to create thoughtfully designed apparel. Uh, they, they are all about authenticity and nostalgia. I personally like the Roaring Bevo. When I went to school, that was kind of the alternative logo de jour. So I got one in gray for me and my son. Uh, I'm telling you guys, give their site a look. It's not the typical UT gear you usually see. You can find it at homefieldapparel.com where you can see their collection uh, and guess what? Our listeners here at On Texas Football get 15% off the first order with discount code On Texas 23. It's the perfect apparel to get you ready for the upcoming season. That's On Texas 23 for 15% off homefieldapparel.com.
1: All right. Yes, I want to thank them for sponsoring us today. And, hey, guys, I got a uh, trivia question here from a uh, from one of our watchers, from Gus Flaner. He says, here's an interesting trivia question for you. What school has the most former quarterbacks starting for other schools? I guess USC, maybe Texas, Casey
2: That's Thompson it. and Cam Rising. Anybody else? Uh, Hudson
0: Card.
1: Hudson Card. Yeah, I was thinking the answer was Texas, too. Yeah. Oh, it's like
0: when we're starting quarterbacks. It's just quarterbacks. So it's Texas. USC has the most starting
1: quarterbacks, probably. But yeah, so Texas. So we'll we'll come back to it when he gives us the answer here in a second in the chat. He didn't want to give it give it away in case y'all read it. So uh, we'll come okay. back to that here in a minute. But I, I'm with y'all. I I think Texas as well. All right, let's get to a super chat. Jimmy Trevino says, "Good old Texas pecan this morning." Two things I want to see Saturday. Dominance on the line of scrimmage and getting off the field on third and long. I bet you both agree with that.
2: I want to see third and long. I I, I completely completely agree with that. I think that Rice is going to make it try to make it hard for Texas to run the ball. I don't think they're going to re- respect the Texas passing game early because Texas didn't prove it could pass the ball last year. So they're going to try to load the run and stop. Stop the uh, stop the run early. So it's gonna be hard to show dominance if they're committing eight, to, seven or eight to the box.
0: Yeah, look, it, it, here's the interesting thing, and we talked about this yesterday. Teams are losing a possession a game, right, with the new clock running rule on first downs, except the last two minutes. So if you're a big underdog and you come in, you're already trying to condense a game, right? I mean, that's what you're trying to do. I mean. Rice is gonna try to condense this game on Texas, not let them zip up and down the field, right? Like you said, load up. Um, somebody just said, added JaQuindon Jackson at, at Utah, so yeah. uh, there's another one. <laughs> He's I a mean, running back. I mean, I guess he he was a he threw pra- passes in practice at Texas, though, right? Um, <laughs> so there's that's another one. Jason, anybody we're missing here is a walk on anywhere? <laughs> uh, probably, probably. Uh, but so. Look, I think Rice is going to try to condense the game even more, and I think they have to do that because of the one thing we talked about earlier. Uh, Mike Bloom, he's a good coach now. I mean, he he he's done a he's been offensive coordinator at a high level. He knows his offensive line can't hold up against Texas. And if JT, what's the goal coming out of the Rice game for uh, for the Rice? Have JT Daniels healthy for the rest of the season? I think they're really going to try to condense this game. I think first down run defense for Texas is huge, um, and I think if you if you're good on first down, which you should be against the run against Rice, you can get them into those uh, unfavorable situations that Rice
1: does not want to be in with JT Daniels in game one. Hey, we, there was a, uh, a walk on Jerry Ben Ballard. He's now at Florida Atlantic.
0: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Well, is there, who else is there anybody else we've missed? That's six, right?
1: That's that's
0: crazy. I bet hey, I bet the guy that asked a question that he forg- he forgot about that one. If he knew that <laughs> that's that the tip of the knot hat I'm wearing now.
1: Oh man, and the quarterback room's still loaded with all those <laughs> all the other schools. I mean, that's absolutely insane. Oh Oklahoma, I gotta, that's okay. that
0: brought up a good point. Oklahoma has Mordecai Evers, Caleb, uh Rattler, and Chandler Morris, so they're in the game. <laughs> wow, they're,
1: they're right there with Texas. Hey, Lincoln
2: Riley can 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 recruit quarterbacks now, guys. Say um, what you want, he can recruit quarterbacks.
0: Hey, I right guess now. this I, I guess this is why you keep quarterback competitions going long time too. Uh,
2: Steve your, chances keeping,
0: your chances of keeping guys are zero.
1: <laughs> Steve Sarkeesian playing playing chess over here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, yeah, you're right. He he forgot about Ballard. Hey,
0: you <laughs> but, yeah. should, hey, Gus, you shouldn't know about Ben Ballard, honestly. You had, you had all the scholarship quarterbacks. <laughs> I might just mention Eric Gilbert uh, got arrested for burglars. Yeah, look, I, I we did a study kind of going back on the five-star guys when I was at ESPN. We did it around the Under Armour game, and it's amazing how many times those very talented guys, it's not really football is why they don't make it. It's injuries and off the field. Those guys are that talent level. You really have to mess it up. Denver Harris. On his way. Chris Marshall. On his way. Yep, Those, those are the kind of guys you're talking about. Has nothing to do with talent. No. It's, no, it's uh, not it's misses different. on talent with those guys. They're that level. It's them missing and not maximizing their talent. Eric Gilbert originally signed, I believe, with Georgia. Is that right? And then LSU or something like that? Oh, gosh. There was uh, – I think LSU, then Georgia. Now He's like a five-star tight end. Yeah, he's an elite. Now, he's an elite talent, just born talent. He's different. It's uh, it's sad when you hear those stories, guys. Yep,
1: definitely. Well, y'all came out with the prediction show yesterday. It's getting some traction here in the comments. If you haven't seen it, head on over to YouTube. It's one that you don't want to miss. This super chat from Antonio Harris is talking about that. He says, Bobby, I couldn't sleep last night due to you, Paul, Eric, and Rob picking Alabama. 11-1 and 1 is my prediction due to refs interfering. All gas, no breaks."
2: So so I, I want to be fair about that prediction show. And I, I do think it was good because it gave it some insight on every single team that, that we think and how we think Texas really fits against them. Um, all of us came up with the same final answer about what we thought it would be the final record, which scares me a little bit, first of all. I think that that means it's likely, not likely to happen. Um, and we all said 10-2, and two, just to give you guys an example. But we came up with different teams independently. Um, the, the real issue here is going to Tuscaloosa at night is just a difficult proposition. Texas hasn't won a big road game outside of Kansas State in quite a while. Now I don't count the the I don't count beating OU 49 to nothing as a road game since that's a 50-50 split, right? Um and so I you know my my concern about this Alabama game is just how good their defense could be this year. It's not necessarily I think Texas will be able to hold their offense to 20 or so points, maybe 24. I worry about how Texas is going to score if Alabama has what we think are seven or eight draft picks starting on their defense that I don't care who you are. That's hard to score against. I mean, you could have a number, you could have Caleb Williams and Drake may and let I me mean, Tulane stop, stopped, stopped uh, USC late last year with Caleb. Williams. I mean, you, my point being, it's going to be hard uh, moving the ball against them. Period. Is my guess. Now maybe Steve Sarkeesian, who's seen Kevin Steele as a defensive coordinator before, by the way. Not his first rodeo seeing Kevin Steele, the new defensive coordinator at uh, Alabama, but uh, that's the question that that I think I have more than any.
0: Yeah, I, I would say this. I, I think I have two thoughts on that um, with Bama. One, and I've said this before, the thing you like if you play Alabama now versus three, four years ago, they can't beat, beat you with overwhelming offensive talent anymore. They still have good players. But they had four first-round picks at wideout. Back-to-back-to-back first-round picks, number one overalls, or first-round picks at quarterback. Two or three NFL running backs in the stable. Four or five starting offensive alignment are drafted in the first, what, four rounds type of deal, type of talent. I mean, they all were. They can't overwhelm you with that offensive talent anymore. Here's the thing I'm looking at with Bama this year. I thought last year, I mean, what, they have 15 penalties in Austin, 17 in Knoxville. That was the most undisciplined Alabama team I'd seen maybe since 07, since Nick first got there and was started building the program. If they If they play much more disciplined football this year, they're a much tougher team to beat, despite not having the overwhelming talent, at least at home. If they still have issues with that penalty discipline like they did last year, they're a much more beatable team. And I know that sounds simple, but the reason they're much more beatables, they can't just overwhelm you with offensive talent anymore. I mean, that they could overwhelm you, and literally, you walked on on the field saying, Okay, they're going to be good enough on defense, but they're going to, oh, How do we even do anything with this offense? And it took what Clemson scoring 40 three in a national championship game. That's what we're talking about. Yeah, I,
2: I, I am not, uh, I like, I think they actually have great running backs, really like NFL running backs. That's the one Correct. position. I think we could all agree yeah. the receivers are capable. They're later round draft picks. There's not right. first rounders, right? I mean, they're they're good, but they're yeah. just not. I mean, they're not Jalen Waddle. Yeah. They're not Jerry Judy. They're not, I mean, uh, Ruggs, Henry Ruggs. They're they're not those guys where you're just like, or Calvin Ridley. Geez. I yeah. mean, they're not those guys where everybody thinks they're first round picks. All
1: right. We're going to uh, stay on the topic here of y'all's predictions, Bobby. Rudy to saw your prediction show. Great job. The IT staff seems to think 10 and 2 will be the record. But what's more likely, 12 and 0 or 8 and 4?
0: How many undefeated teams were there in college football last year? <laughs> That's a great question.
1: One. After, well,
0: after 12 games, one, right? I mean, <laughs> what was TCU's record? Wait a minute. What was TCU's record out of? They were twelve and zero after after regular season. How many power five teams? So the odds are always uh, more likely you're going eight and four than twelve and (laughs) zero. I'll say that. But uh, speaking about one team, um, you look. I mean, you still your road games are at Alabama at TCU. They lost a lot. They were in the playoff last year, right? I mean, it's you, you have some. I think, but I think Baylor's down. I mean, you know, but you're everybody's Super Bowl this year. Last year, the Big Twelve. But there's only two 12 and 0 teams in Power Five football last year at a regular season. But King Me says if TCU can do it, we can. And there's your there's there's the flip side of it. Hey, we did
2: something. Uh, we did something on. Uh, I wish Michigan was 12 and 0, two, three. Okay, gotcha. We we did. uh, I I think that I think that eight and four is more likely than twelve and zero. I mean, I don't think eight and four is likely at all, though. Like, I just feel I I would give eight and four a five to ten percent chance. I I think that the most likely is nine and three regular season. I think that's the most likely, even though I picked Texas to go ten and two. I just know how football a football can bounce funny. I mean, you
0: guys do too. Well, the the problem we always – with these early season predictions, and they're fun, is injuries aren't factored in. I I mean, in look, the the only way Texas goes 8-4 and this year for me is if they have an injury-riddled season, right? They lose a couple of very key guys that are hard to replace. Then you start getting into a different look of a team late in the year, going on the road, uh, depending on other teams' health. But health is – factors into this stuff and in, in the preseason rankings and predictions, it doesn't factor in at all. And that's what makes these fun. But also p- what people look back on, well, you said Texas was going to go 11 and one. Well, yeah, they lost their tight end, middle linebacker and running back. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it was, see, well, you have to stay healthy. Number one, healthy enough to reach those goals.
2: Hey, I want to say this real quick. I, I asked this question actually yesterday to the on Texas football community on our YouTube UT. Uh, UT uh, uh, on our uh, on Texas football site, what will be the Longhorns' regular season record in 2023? Okay, uh, uh, more than 1,000 people have already voted. I, I put it up late yesterday. um This is what the the, the numbers said: 12 and 0, 19 percent said 12 and 0, 11 and 1, 36 percent, 10 and 2, 35 percent. So the two biggest were 11 and 1 and 10 and 2 nine and three, eight percent, eight and four, two percent. So I think the fan base by and large is expecting 11 and one, 10 and two, uh, nine and three and eight and four a little bit lower. But uh, look, I, I feel like I feel like anywhere between nine and three to 11 and one is the sweet spot in my opinion.
1: I'm with you on that one. All right. One more question about the predictions, Bobby. hen Golfer says, the only question I had about all your predictions is that you all seem to be sold on or believing in the defense. But your guys' predictions have UT giving up more points per game on average.
2: Interesting. I didn't know that. Uh, and I believe you. I, I didn't do the, the numbers like that. I was just going game by game. I, I am very sold on this Texas defense. Like, very so uh, I feel like if Ethan Burke can be a guy that is just a, a replacement level player for Ovi, and I think he actually is better than Ovi as the season wears on, yeah, then I think this is a better defense. I think, this, and, and especially if Catalan is healthy, there, if Catalan's healthy, there's no question it's a better defense on the back end, period. I think, and I, I know Deshaun Jamison was a multi-year starter, still trying to catch on in the NFL. But Gavin Holmes and Terrence Brooks provide something at, at the uh, uh, field corner that, that Deshaun just couldn't on third down. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm really, really big on this Texas defense. I hope they don't give up more than 10 this weekend against
0: Rice. Um, by the way, there's a lot of people in comments the last couple of weeks on Inside Texas saying Texas should win every Big 12 game by two touchdowns or more. Um, I just want to I'm just gonna point out something here. Every it's all we're all very excited. The season's starting. Georgia won 26-22 at Missouri last year and 16-6 at, at Kentucky. They're a lot better than that versus those teams. Just, I mean, it's it's still football. You're still gonna take everybody's best shot. A lot of people are always talking about the refs here this last this last year in the Big 12. Georgia beat Missouri 26-22 last year. In Columbia, just saying. (laughs) And on a neutral field, if they played 10 times, they met beat them by 45 every time. It happens.
1: Very true. All right, we got some Alabama questions rolling in, guys. We're going to open up with this one from Ashley Harrington. She asked, what's the line on the Texas versus Bama game? It opened at seven, moved to seven and a half, and now is at six in favor of Alabama. And then right here from Derek, who plays scout team quarterback next week? Is it Savion Red?
2: <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't be a bad one, would it? He's done it. Um, I think that's going to be Charles Wright, but <laughs> I don't think he's going to be a reasonable approximation. Hey,
0: that, that's a good – who is the guy for that Texas will use to prep for Milro next week? I mean, that, that's a good question. Um, um, maybe Juan Maybe Juan Davis. He played quarterback in high school, similar size guy. But he's in the rotation at tight he's end. You in the rotation can't at that. tight end. That's tough. Yeah.
1: I yeah. think
2: Savion Red could be one. I don't know if Savion can throw the ball.
1: Yeah. Um, but I like I
2: like Savion
1: as, yeah. as that choice. Uh, We got a question here from Sawyer W. He says, I think our main chance against Bama will be it's an early game with new coordinators. Can we get lucky with some defensive bust combined with Sark schemes? I would still pick Bama, but close.
2: Uh, Kevin Steele is a veteran defensive coordinator guys. Like there's, there's veteran and then there's him. Uh, He's a 30 year plus defensive guy. He's, he's been a head coach in the NFL. He's, uh, coordinated defenses in the NFL as well as the SEC for a long period of time. Nick Saban is a defensive coach. Thinking that they're going to bust or relying on that is is unlikely. Is it possible? Of course. Um, but I'm sure they're not going to – I'm sure that that Nick and those guys are going to have them ready on defense. Um, I would say that this, Sark should have a player two up his sleeve that kind of confuses them a little bit. I, I don't know how, I don't know why, but he's pretty good about that. So I fingers crossed, Sawyer, in my opinion.
0: One thing I want to say is <clears throat> I think with this Bama team, you'd much – I love that Texas is playing in week two. New quarterback, new coordinators. I mean, they, they, look, they lost a lot. They're very talented on defense, but they got a lot of new faces, right? I mean – uh, Caleb Downs is, a, I think, a shoe in to be a first-round pick at safety one day. Still a second college game. Now, he's not the average college freshman. His dad's a college defensive backs coach. This kid's way advanced. He's still a freshman. You can still have a bust early on in your career at a bad time. I, I like where this game is situated for Texas on the road. Um, because I think this is a different team, Alabama team week two versus week eight. And maybe drastically different team. This is when you want to play Bama.
2: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting
1: to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline.
0: This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild.
1: And then kind of what y'all were talking about just a second ago, i got to ask this because I love the uh, username here. Bobby's Embrace the Hate (laughs) t-shirt. So then in year one of their new defensive coordinator, are they going to have it or they're turned around quick enough to have that type of impact in week two?
2: It's the player's. It's the Jimmies and Joes, not the X's and O's. That's that's my opinion on that, Blake. I feel pretty strongly that that Texas is is in or that Alabama has guys that can get after the quarterback. Dallas Turner, in my opinion, is a better pass rusher than Will Anderson. Just keep, I mean, I'm giving you, and Will Anderson went what, two overall, three overall, Jerry? hmm Um, so they've got guys that can get after the quarterback. I, I just, I don't know that it's so much the defense coordinator as it is the players that I'm I'm concerned about.
1: I wonder if Bobby's embraced the hate T-shirts related to Jerry's GPS. <laughs> 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 All right, Bobby. I know you had a couple of talking points you wanted to bring up, so I'm going to kick it over to you and and let you do your thing.
2: Yeah, absolutely. One of the things I want to ask Jerry, and and you went to this Jerry early in this in this conversation, was the impact of playing freshmen early yeah okay you mentioned oh wow if they start cedric baxter at running back that's going to be two years in a row of playing the five star guys that show up early kelvin banks obviously last year now cedric baxter does that you think that the number of freshmen that play significant roles do you think that matters in recruiting like the do, the do, do kids see that and feel that or hear about it? How does that
0: factor into recruiting? I think it especially does when you're building your program. I think it especially does. I think when you're trying to get over the hump and you're still in this – it's easy to say programs are always being built, but there's different levels, right? Um, But when you're in year three and you're really start trying to build this program, it is very impactful. You want to have – your five-star guys hit the field and look like five-star guys. Um, You want to have a freshman All-American. You want to have guys uh, uh, showing up, being talked about as, oh, this guy's a future first-round draft pick over at Texas. He played great as a freshman. I think it really matters in recruiting when you're building a program. When you have an established program like Nick Saban has had for so many years, his recruiting pitch is a little different. We're going to give you the you, – you have the chance to come here and compete. But here's a list of 20 guys who didn't play very much their freshman year but still went on to be first and second round picks because our competition's so great in practice and blah, 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 blah. So I think there's two different selling points depending on where you're at in your program. But I think for Sark right now, the year after Kelvin Banks is a starter – a left tackle for 13 games, and the way he's being talked about around the country as a player, Cedric Baxter and Anthony Hill, two five stars this year, having major impacts on taking Texas from eight to ten wins. I think that's right in the wheelhouse of where you want to be for future recruiting. I think it matters a lot. And then you have hey, not UT Bow. I'm not say anything negative about Jonte. I mean, there's three upper class starters, but then you have those guys coming in and making plays, Malik Muhammad, Jonte Cook. But if you have a couple of those guys starting. And having really good seasons and saying, okay, we went from eight to ten. We went from five to eight. We had Kelvin Banks. We went from eight to ten in year three. We had center backs for Anthony Hill. We're starting players at some point for us. Our five-star guys are coming in. They're playing. There's not much of a better recruiting pitch, Bobby. Yeah, I, I
2: just think that it makes a lot of sense um, because you need – Jerry, the bigger piece to me, and, and tell me if I'm wrong here, is that um, if you get the right – if you get these highly ranked players, you want to see them succeed. Yes. For so long in the last decade or so, Texas has not had those highly ranked guys really pan out to be highly ranked uh, draft picks. Right. Yep. It's almost like Sark needs those guys to be proof of concept. Yes. Right. To get you to where you are a de facto choice among the elite players around the country. Oh, if I go to Texas, I'll get developed.
0: That's right. I
2: can do, I can play in front of a hundred thousand people, play for championships, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, you're checking off a, a list of things that a blue blood would really be. Yeah. Getting them ready for the NFL is part of that. Getting early playing time because you're a true bad dude <laughs> matters. Uh, yeah. and so I, I think it's just one more thing. I wanted to bring that up because you mentioned it early in this discussion, Jerry. And uh, I'm, I'm really I'm, – I'm into that because I believe that proof of concept matters and it changes opinion over the long haul. I
0: think what's interesting to me is there's the way fans look at college football and their team, and there's the way recruits look at it. And I think it's two totally different things. Like – a lot of Texas fans, if Texas had a 10 and 2 regular season, would be disappointed, especially based on comments on here and inside Texas. Okay, I can tell you that. If Texas went from five to eight to 10 wins and had eight guys drafted in April and have a fun, exciting offense, that's actually a positive in recruiting with kids. Like the Texas fan base, a whole would say, oh man, the Texas recruits in the future class would be like, all right, Texas is moving now. Because it's like TJ Ford always says, we want to hear our names called on draft day. One, that's still number one above all else, above NIL. Look, TJ's in the AAU game uh, above NIL and everything else. We want to hear our names called on draft day. And that's always going to be number one in college sports, uh, in football and basketball.
1: Right, well, while we're on the subject of freshmen, guys, uh, Brandon Huey has a good question. He says, which freshman will have the biggest impact against Alabama and why?
0: I think Anthony Hill in that game has to. I think he has to in that game. I I, I think you have to you're gonna have to bring pressure, and I think that pressure is gonna have to come from different areas on the edge. Um, against Alabama, I think while Texas is very good on the defensive line on the interior, I don't think that's where your sacks are going to come from. Uh, I think Anthony Hill is going to have to be impactful in that game for Texas. Obviously, you know, look, are you going to say Cedric Baxter is going to go in the Tuscaloosa and rush 20 for 110? No. (laughs) No, you're not. I mean, Bijan didn't run the ball great. I mean, Texas didn't run it great with Bijan last year at home, right? So it's got to be Anthony Hill for me. I'm going to go somebody different, Jerry. I'm going to go, and, and this is why I, I
2: like guys that turn the ball over and get the, get turnovers. I'm going to go Manny Muhammad. And um, games like this, well, I think Anthony Hill could be a, a good spy on Jalen Milrow, and that may be the actual answer as much as, uh, because he's, he's big enough. And long enough to tackle Milrow. I mean, people just don't appreciate how big Milroe is. But if I could, if I could choose one, I think I might go with Manny Muhammad because I think that game's going to change on a turnover, a special teams, one way or the other, something like that. I, and I'll, I'll go with him. And I would say a good day at the office for Cedric Baxter against um, against Alabama might be twenty carries for eighty yards. Yep. Not he doesn't have to be perfect. You don't need five yards of carry. You can't expect that. Twenty for eighty is a productive NFL day, and they need a productive NFL day out of that run game in in uh, Tuscaloosa.
0: Yeah, if they don't, if they can't run the ball at all, they're in trouble.
2: Yeah, they no. need they just need a little something, something to take the pressure, make them make them make them respect the run game enough to give Quinn some time and space. Uh, to make
0: plays in the passing game and take pressure off the offensive line. Yeah, that's a good one for yep. me. Uh, somebody, somebody asked, do we do we think Texas can go in the Bama and win? I think we all feel like to, all three of us feel like Texas can go in the Bama and win. If this was Bama four years ago with four first round picks, and right now I, I, I might not be I, I might not be on board. uh But I think this is a good time to play Bama, and I think Texas has a chance to win the game. I, I I'm not saying they for sure are. I picked Texas, but. uh that's, we'll see if anybody gets major injuries this week that could affect anything like that. But, yeah, Texas has a chance to win. This is not this is not the most loaded Nick Saban teams. That doesn't mean he's not going to win a national championship, although I don't think he will this year. But this is not the same animal that it once was.
1: Okay, guys, we got a couple more Super Chats uh, that we need to catch up on. And this is from Texas0311. Uh, thank you. And he says, I hope no players are listening to the rap. Right <laughs> <laughs> I love
2: it. it, it Turnabout about fair play with uh, Nick Saban, right? Um, yeah. You know, I, I feel like we talked about this yesterday, Jerry and, and Blake. Uh, I love the fact that, that Sark showed the team Brett Yormark's comments, Joey Maguire's comments. That, that has a way of refocusing a team. When other, te- when, when other guys are out there making comments about you in a disparaging way, that has a, has, a, has a way of focusing you on the job at hand as opposed to, oh, patting yourself on the back and thinking you're all good. Right Now you have to go out and prove these guys, they're full of it. And so hopefully, that's, that's what I I was actually, other than the fact that the commissioner said it, I was actually kind of happy because if anything, it refocuses Texas at a time when they may need
0: refocusing. Yeah, first of all, thank you, Mac Brown, for the super chat. Um, <laughs> um, this team hasn't proven anything yet. They're uh, they're trying to prove something. I I think the toughest thing for the team for college football these kids nowadays is after you've accomplished something and the next group of kids come in, they expect it. They don't understand how it happened. Texas is not at that point. This is a team that won five games two years ago and is embarrassed at home by Kansas. They won eight games last year, but ended the season with a sour taste in their mouth because they lost to Washington. This is a team that's building and has something to prove. I don't I'm not worried about rat poison at all with this team. If Texas was coming off the national championship, had a bunch of new kids into the program, I'd be more worried about that than I
1: am right now. Okay, we got another super chat here from Roy Womack, and he says, just for fun, but hopefully not the case, <laughs> fingers crossed, <laughs> how many games could we win this year with Malik as starting quarterback? You guys have seen him in action more than anyone else. I
2: think that Texas should still win
1: eight, nine games. Malik Murphy is a
2: good quarterback, guys. Now, he has doesn't have experience yet, but he is a solid quarterback. I think that. The question I have, and everybody has, um, is whether or not it's Malik or Arch that comes in second. I think it's Malik right now. I think it's Arch three. Sark wouldn't be committal about that yesterday. But let, I, I'll i go back to what I've said before. I think all three of these guys are NFL quarterbacks. I mean,
0: what? Talents, talents,
2: talents. Yeah, talents. I think they're, yeah, they're not there yet. Don't. I mean, I'm not trying to say they're ready to go to the NFL tomorrow but all three of them are, you're going to be okay. You may lose one game, maybe, maybe get yourself in bad position in another, but you're, they're going to get there. They, the quarterback room. Okay. Is it, it, it has a floor. There's a floor and a ceiling with talent, right? This team is an eight win floor team, no matter who the quarterback is. Malik makes it a nine nine more likely yours makes it a 10 or 11 more likely arch. We don't know yet. So I I'm a big, I I don't have that much concern in that regard. It's the big games where you need a quarterback to really show up. And if Malik's been in there for four or five games as a starter, then he's probably ready. If he has to be forced into action day one against Kansas, for example, that's going to score points and you as an offense have to keep up with those point scoring, I would worry about that game. But a Kansas State, I don't necessarily worry
0: about because I think that's going to be two teams going at it pretty hard. So, uh, Miles Gage is asked about Jalen Gilboa multiple times. I mean, he's running second team star from what I know. I have not heard about a suspension to start the year with him. Bobby, have you? No, I have not. Could Look, there could be things that they're hiding bes- behind the scenes.
2: That Sark does a good job of this, guys. So yeah. there, there could be something that happened in the offseason, somehow, some way, a guy's suspended for a quarter, a half, a game. It happens. Uh, we don't hear about, or if we have heard about those, we're not talking about them. But at this point, we'll we'll just wait and see. I don't think there's anything uh out there in any regard to that right now. Uh
0: yeah, uh you, you value Kyle as a, a good question, I think. I mean, we're going to be talking about it for two weeks, but um, it's interesting. Does Alabama game ride on Quinn? Um, I think it rides on the Texas offensive line, and I've said it before. I think it's an offensive line game uh, because the quarterback can only do, can only the game can only ride on Quinn's shoulders if he has time to throw the ball. I think it's an offensive line game. I think the offensive line has to go in and play well in Alabama for Texas to have a real shot at walking out with a victory. If they don't, it's not going to be pretty. Now, I'm not saying you're going to get blown out, but I'm just saying it's not going to be a smooth, what you're looking for offensive game. It's an offensive line game when you're going in to play a defense like Alabama on the road. Your offensive line has to play at a high level. I'll say this, 60%.
2: 60% tells me he's getting enough time. Yeah. Right, Jerry? Yeah. Now, you don't expect 70% against Bama. So 60%. And I think that the offensive line is likely done enough.
1: Okay, guys, we've got one more super chat here from Mr. Harrington. You'll see why I say that in a second. Savion red update, assuming he's no longer on the injury report. Did he just need to work himself in shape? This is Ashley's husband, by the way.
0: <laughs> um, Well, I don't have Bobby. I don't know if Savion reds back from the injury yet. Um, well, I think there's – uh, I think he's got to work himself back in the good graces too. I, I think there's a couple of things there. Um, but I think I'll, – I'll say this. I think it was a very important fall he just missed, whether due to injury, fall camp, due to injury or other, because it gave a lot of reps to a young running back.
2: Yeah. I, I think my, my – <laughs> I just love that it's Ashley's husband. Um, the, <laughs> the thing that I would say uh, about Savion uh, is he is off the injury report list. Um, my my piece on it is what he some things happened off the field that put him behind the eight ball. Um, and so has he got that cleaned up? And once he's got that cleaned up, how does he become part of the offense
0: as the season wears on? Yeah, uh, those those are the things that I'm interested in. And I'd just like to thank Joey Harrington for the super chat. Who knew he'd be asking the <laughs> He's a closet Longhorn fan, Joey Harrington.
1: <laughs> okay, here's an interesting question uh, from John. He says, how well do you think it's going to translate for Alex January and Colin Simmons playing together in high school and now college? Do they have chemistry and does that actually have impact? He, wow.
0: Um. I I don't know. I think from a knowing each other's personality, you know, that helps. Um, Playing together in college, I I don't know if I have a true answer on that, Bobby. I think I think knowing each other's personality is always good within a locker room and you already have a good feel for those guys. Um, Does that have an impact the way they play on the field together? I would say no. Um, on that, I mean, they have two totally different jobs. Alex January is going to play over the ball with good hand placement, Mr. January. Um, Rod and I actually talked about that yesterday on our talking ball. We went over the defensive line commits plus the targets uh, in Texas D-line. But I think it's just they're to- totally different players, two totally different jobs. But I think from a personality standpoint, you have a feel for each other, right? I mean, that's the only thing. But it- chemistry on the field, I don't think so at all.
1: All right, before we move on, Bobby, I'm going to let you take the floor.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So just so everyone knows,
2: we do not only these coffee and footballs, we also do live streams at night. Uh, Rod Babers will join Jerry and myself tonight uh, on the uh, live stream. Also, uh, the Friday afternoon live stream, we've been doing from one to two. That is moving during football season to three to four, in part so we can join in with the co-op. The university co-op is allowing us to do our live streams from the co-op second floor during their happy hour section uh, of the time. So please come join us up there. We'll be up there uh, talking a little Longhorn football. I think Rod's going to join us uh, as well as Jerry uh, and we'll get going there. I also want to make this announcement for the co-op for those of you with young kids and, uh, that enjoy getting signatures, etc. Uh, the university co-op is hosting a football athletes meet and greet fundraiser. It's in partnership with Texas One Fund. It's this coming Thursday. Athletes will be at the co-op meeting with fans, signing autographs, and taking pictures. Uh, We are fundraising for course material scholarships for Longhorn students. That's uh, the note from the co-op. Suggested donation is just $10. Donations will be collected on the day of the event at the University University Co-op. Every penny of profit directly benefits Longhorn students. So follow them on Instagram and Facebook for the latest information. Some of the guys going guys, Byron Murphy, J.T. Sanders, Kelvin, Ga- Kelvin Banks, uh, Terrence Brooks, Jade Barron, Jalen Ford, Jordan Whittington, Tavondre Sweat. Uh, Thursday, uh, please get out there and see the guys. Check out uh, the Facebook and Instagram page for more information there.
1: There you go. Good chance to get some future NFL player signatures for sure. All uh, right. Jack Tripper says over, under, Finkley, Bledsoe, Ross combined for eight and a half sacks. Under for me, Jerry. Under. Yeah, under. I, those- I would be surprised. Bledsoe
2: will have four, would be my guess. Four. I doubt Finkley has Finkley, two, Ross, one. Yeah. I would say I would
0: say under. The only, the only unless Wedso goes nuts, well, or the the only way that goes over is if in the Rice and Wyoming game, those guys like come into the game and they have like five after two games combined. Then you got a chance, but if you don't put up big numbers the first two between that trio, it's going to be tough.
1: Next question here from Steve Sedaris, and he says, can you say what you're most confident with about Quinn and what your biggest concern is with him? Look him.
0: I'll tell you what I'm most confident with is how much he's talking about pre-snap. How, 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 that is big for me because <clears throat> line calls, understanding, thats he is, to me, is attacking this with a professional mindset, Versus last year, a guy that was essentially a true freshman, even though he wasted a year at Ohio State. Um, the big difference. I mean, that, that's a big difference. That's I'm not worried about <clears throat> Quinn making throws in the pocket if he has chance, if he has time. He's got to step up, like Bobby said. He's got to climb the pocket better. Uh, but that's more, to me, year two stuff and better understanding. To me, why I have more confidence in Quinn this year has nothing to do with what you see when a ball's released. It's everything you see before a ball's released, and, and that's where I have more confidence in Quinn this year. My biggest concern with him would be, if, or if, if like in a Bama game, if, if Bama's on him early in the Texas offensive line, takes a while to settle in. He took a big hit against them last year, and I think some of that caused him to play back foot football after that injury after he returned. That's my concern for Quinn is when you get in the game and you get under that duress in those situations, do you revert back to some things that maybe you do not ideally want to see him do again? Bobby? I, I think your, your concerns are well stated.
2: I, I, that is my number one thing with him is, is he consistent with what he's learned in, in, the, in the face of adversity, right? So every, football, people are going to knock you in the teeth. That's one of the great things about the game. Right. You're going to get hit. How you punch back matters. How you get up off the carpet matters. Um, And I want to see him do that better this year uh, as much as anything. Um, The other piece about what I'm most confident in. I think he's an accurate quarterback over the mid range. I mean, that that's what separates him uh, from a lot of high end draft pick guys. Quinn is very good from 15 to 25 yards. I mean, that little, I mean, the way he feathers the ball. So Texas is going to get some chunk plays out of that. Um, And I think they will continue to do so. But adversity, how he performs in the face of adversity, that matters as much as anything to me. We haven't seen him, I don't know, other than K-State, that we've seen him respond great to adversity yet. And so that that would be my question. All
1: right, guys, we got time for a few more questions here. But before we uh, go to the more football-related questions, Bobby, Rex St. Charles wants to know of the clothing sponsor. One more time, if you can run that down.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's this one. Uh, it's homefieldapparel.com uh, and use promo code ONTEXAS23 for 15% off. They have this Roaring Bevo T-shirt uh, that I, I really like uh, and that I got for my kiddo. It's really, really good. That's not the one, even though that's a pretty cool one. It's a it cool down here. Let me show you the one that I, I got for me and my son. It is, I think it's going to be that. Uh, no, nope, One more. Where'd it go? Keep going, Matt. <laughs> it's down there. It may be on page two. It's the one that has the the mean Bevo, basically. I'll show it to you. We'll get it. We'll get it. Uh, we'll get a picture of it. But that is the one, uh, the home field apparel. off, or excuse me, 15% off. Just use ONTEXAS23 for your promo
1: code. Thank you, Bobby. All right, David Williams, guys. He says, Jerry, Bobby, what would be more effective and beneficial for Texas? Jonathan Brooks rushing for 1,200 plus yards, or both Brooks and Baxter getting 150 carries, 900 yards, 6 yards a carry? Personally, he prefers the latter.
0: Um, it's a tough question, actually. I don't know. I, I, I don't
2: know that I I care about this. I just want around 1,800 to 2,200 yards rushing period. And I don't know that I mind who does it or how no. it's obtained. Um, I, I understand what David's trying to get out here, but I think it's more important that the total be something And whether it's Brooks or Baxter or both or Savion Red comes in and spells them or, you know, Keelan Robinson really does it. I think that also I'm looking, I want to see if we can't get 500 to 600 yards receiving out of the running backs this year. Because we talked, just talked about Quinn. If he starts checking down when he has these vertical receivers, you know how much space those guys are going to have to play with. If the linebackers have to drop deep, deep, that's the thing. That's the thing. Th- the running backs are going to have a lot of space. They make one guy miss all of a sudden a, a five yard gain on a flare is 15 to 25. It just changes. That's what Lincoln Riley does with all his running back stuff. He makes you worried about the down the field stuff and then throws a flare and a guy runs 20 yards. I, I just,
0: hey, hey what uh, not stats wise, what would the short choice rather have saying I had two guys that are about to be drafted in my backfield and we play them both. So I always think a lot of times from a recruiting perspective, <laughs> okay? Because if without those guys, we're not even having this conversation right now for uh, to short choice the year after Bijan Roshan and Jameer Gibbs are drafted for people to be saying, man, Texas has two future draft picks at running back and they, they share the load doesn't get much better than that. Uh, some uh somebody said i think it was, where was it Danny he mentioned he drove by Sarah from Pensacola to Texas yesterday um yes for sure um that Sarah land high I will be back this year a couple of times but that that i-10 drive has been made many 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 times uh, i'll tell you the you guys people ask for their my favorite recruiting stories this is mine actually happened last year um not to take too much time y'all have more better questions than this but I was at center Baxter's commitment and Bobby will remember this the kid committed committed around 6 30 I think or seven so I wasn't going to get out of there till eight but I texted the uh, staff at Isidore Newman I said hey I- I'm going to be driving back from Florida to Houston tomorrow what time The do- what time they'll practice they're like 6 30 a.m and I was like oof <laughs> uh, and I was like all right but you know hey it's Archman you got to do it I drove overnight I slept at a rest stop for an hour 55 minutes or an hour. I made sure we got the Arches practice that next morning. So uh, y'all ask for the favorite recruiting stories. Sometimes it's not the story about how the recruitment happened. It's what you had to do to cover the recruitment.
1: (laughs) Well, we got a super chat here, guys, from Chris Harrington. And he says, Ashley's husband got his phone back. I'm not Joey, but I was a college quarterback. I live in Little Elm. I'm excited to see two locals starting at corner. There you go. There you, hey, go. there you go, little there's elm is it?
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Uh, I'm glad you got your phone back, buddy. That's the more <laughs> important thing,
1: right? <laughs> All right, Tex ZE says, "What's a good time to get to DKR to watch the band walk in the stadium and get oh. the full effect of the festivities? How early before the game, Bobby?"
2: So they do. So there's there's the the band walks in the stadium about 30 minutes, uh, 45 minutes before kick. So. Um, That being said, they have a player walk that is about two and a half hours before game time. Um, Chris Del Conte, guys, has done a miraculous job renovating and reinvigorating game day atmosphere on an area called uh, Bevo Boulevard. So if you have young kids, I would suggest Bevo Boulevard in the little fair area that's just to the north of the stadium. Uh, pre-game, Blake's nodding his head because he's got young <laughs> kids and has, has done that. Uh, if you're older, you can you can pre-game wherever you want to. Um, uh, there, they've done a good job with the LBJ Lawn of late for corporate events uh, down east and uh, down south of campus. There's tailgates forever. Uh, I would go like when I go to a game and I'm and I'm there just strictly to. I'm not even in the press box. I'll go three hours before and just hang out with buddies and then walk over to the stadium about an hour before that's, that's my typical role.
1: Okay. We got another super chat here from Roy Womack. Thank you, Roy, for the second one. And he says, assume 10 and two, eight guys to the NFL. What are the biggest areas, <laughs> areas in need for 2024 season in the portal?
0: Wide receiver. I saw it, nothing. UT boy, Jonte cook, Deandre Moore. They're going to be good. You got to have depth. <laughs> Uh, wide receiver, especially maybe big-bodied wide receiver on the outside. If, if you lose A.D. Mitchell pro and Isaiah no- Nair makes enough uh, plays to where he said it's just time to go, I've already had one ACL. Um, that would be one for me. I think tight end could be another for me. That's huge. My uh, opinion. AD Sanders goes pro. You have some good developmental guys that are more inline guys, more role players, but a down-the-field threat at tied in with size would take you to the portal uh Michael Kearns committed but you got to look at punter I mean Ryan Sambor is going to be a difference maker this year for me I think you're depending on what happens at the edge with the young guys is there an edge guy is there another Trill Carter D line I mean I think that's really what you're looking at um I, I don't know about you Bobby that's what I'm thinking position wise I circled three and you named the three first
2: wide receiver, tight end or undeniable. Yeah. And I, I think they have to find a big tight end body that can also stretch the field a little bit. Someone that adds a little something different than what Gunnar Helm will bring back. Right. Okay. Wide receiver, big body guy, in case Naor is either not, has not completely healed and all that stuff. And, or he goes pro because we think AD Mitchell's gone. Uh, we think Xavier Worthy's gone, and we think uh, uh, Jordan Whittington, clearly uh, senior. Defensive line and an interior guy, somewhat similar to Trill Carter. Yeah. Depth. Depth. Because you're not going to get – it's very unlikely you get a war daddy defensive right. lineman in the portal. Bear, Bear Alexander was the only one in the portal this year. He went straight to USC. And, and a
0: lot of people didn't mess with that recruitment. Yeah. that means He's not a good player, not a future draft pick. But a lot of people didn't mess with that recruitment, including Texas. Not saying they're wrong or right, but th- those some of those guys that go in, you're not going to go for.
1: Okay, we got time for one more question. I'm going to put y'all on the spot. And this question from Longest Horn here. He says, "Who's winning the Heisman and who will be Texas MVP of the year?" Boy, I, I have to go, Caleb Williams. I mean, he just—he's in
2: an offense tailor-made for the quarterback. Schedule's not that hard, um, you know. It, It's—he's going to be hard to beat. Offense is uh, predicated on quarterback play. There. Um, that being said, they lose three games this year. I don't think he wins it.
0: Yeah, defensively, they got some issues. I, yeah, is, is, is the kid at Washington the sleeper?
2: Oh, I like Michael Penix. Is a good player now. Now.
0: And that DeBoer can really coach football now. He is yeah. really good, and yeah. they got a lot back. Um, that I it, could it be somebody like that? Somebody said Heisman's irrelevant. It's not for recruits. Um, <laughs> it is it is for fans these days. I think. Um, I'm trying to think. Could if, if Michigan had a magic mm-hmm. year? Could JJ McCarthy? Could somebody creep up there? I mean, that's kind of the question. But the kid at Washington's my sleeper. Who's your, who's your MVP for Texas? <clears throat> I'm going way outside the box. I'm going to say Jalen Catalan if he has a healthy year. is the MVP of the Texas team. I like it. I, I'm going with Jalen
2: Ford. I, I, the, the one thing that's interesting, Jerry, as we get closer to the season and we set it in the offseason, everybody's excited about the wide receivers and rightfully so, and Quinn and all these off, offensive talent. Closer we get to the season, the more and more I like the Texas defense. Not a lot of weakness. Yeah. Additional depth at corner. Additional depth at safety. Jalen Ford's a senior. Byron Murphy, Alfred Collins, Tavondre Sweat, Baron Sorrell. Ethan Burke potentially coming on. man The more I think about it, I, I I just could be the best defense in the Big Twelve. Uh, and one of the better ones that Texas has had in a long time.
1: Okay, guys. Well, Bobby, uh, real quick, why don't you tell everybody what you got coming up for the rest of the day? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 12 o'clock. Jerry
2: and uh, Justin get ready to do the recruiting breakdown. They've got some news and notes they want to share with everybody. Tuesday night's uh, live stream with me, Rod, and Jerry. Uh, guys, uh, head on over to Inside Texas if you get a chance. So much content going on right now. You can't hardly... Uh, you know, I, I get told that there's too much content sometimes. That's how good it is right now. Uh, it's one dollar for one month uh, at Inside Texas. You get a chance to really see uh, what you could be getting. Uh, it's an introductory offer for first-time subscribers only, uh, guys. The rest of the week, don't forget. Uh, each and every morning, coffee and football. We've got a special guest coming up on Thursday. I think that you guys are going to like. We've got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, Longhorns now four days away i cannot wait so (laughs) i think somebody said i said champ chomping at the bit it's champing at the bit i don't look
0: i'm that whatever it is that's
2: what i am i'm ready to go
0: if you're a georgia fan it's champing at the bit right now that's all i know
1: All right, y'all. Well, that's gonna do it for this edition of On Texas Football Today. Coffee and Football. We want to thank all of you for tuning in. Don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button, ring the bell so that you can be notified when we post new videos, and then head on over to insidetexas.com. As Bobby said, so much content, it's hard to consume it all at sometimes. But it's all there for the taking, so be sure to check that out. Uh thank you for the super chats. Thank you to Homefield Apparel today for sponsoring. And, yeah, so that's going to do it for today. We'll be back tomorrow. So for Jerry Hamilton and Bobby Burton, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you then.